0: This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
1: Less than
2: three-eighths of a mile to go. The half was in 45-2. and two. Extra Heat still showing the way. Prize stamp, gold mover. Kimbrillotta's running a big race in fourth, and Kimbrillotta's got some run. Left on the inside, just needs to get through down there, running fourth and three off the lead. But Extra Heat spurts away, 3 out in the fritchy Kimbrillotta running stoutly on the inside, trying to capture second from Prize stamp, followed by gold mover, eighth of a mile to go. Extra Heat put to pressure, driving three-and-a-half lengths with a 16th to come now from Kimbrillotta and prize stamp and gold mover, they can't beat the heat. Extra heat. She wins it
0: by two and a half in one twenty-two and three. Now here's Bobby Newman.
3: Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, four to six p.m. Eastern time, bringing you live action from around the country, country, and keeping you up on what's to date and what's the news rather and. This world of horse racing that we love. We're heading out to Santa Anita first today. We're going to cover racing from Santa Anita, Gulfstream Park, Aqueduct, Oaklawn, and Fairgrounds today. So a full docket this afternoon. And they're at the gate for race two at the Great Race Place. Uh, 70 degrees sunny skies in Arcadia, California, right now. Main track fast turf course firm. Just a field of four. In this second race on the day, $25,000 claiming event for three-year-olds. Sprinting six-and-a-half furlongs, scratch the five. Mr. Shivas uh, leaves us just with a field of four. Even money right now, the price on number two, Handsome Harry. For Kristen Mulhall and jockey Joel Rosario, been uh, facing tougher competition in his last couple of starts at the optional claiming allowance-type levels, uh, dropping into this $25,000 level for the first time. Lowest level that we've seen Handsome Harry thus far, he broke his maiden at the $50,000 level, three starts back during the summer meet at Del Mar, and he's uh, not had much success against tougher competition since then. Dropping class today, even money, here's Frank Miramati.
4: They're off. Diamond Concerto broke outward, but did break alertly. Here's Mr. Suds joining the party, and Mr. Dreamsickle along the inside. Handsome Harry won from the rail, it's a compact group. As they run down the back stretch. Mr. Suds just in front. At the rail, Mr. Dreamsickle and Mr. Dreamsickle now up to take the lead. Handsome Harry is in between those two, and Diamond Concerto now three off the pace. Half mile to run, Mr. Dreamsickle. Contested by Handsome Harry in between. And on the outside of them, it's Mr. Suds as they race in program order. Diamond Concerto, four lengths off them, three furlongs to run. Mr. Dream Sickle to catch. Opens up a length. Mr. Suds in the second. Handsome Harry fights on between. And nothing yet from Diamond Concerto. They pass the quarter pole with Mr. Sickle in front. Awkward step there for Handsome Harry. On the outside, Mr. Suds. They're coming to the eighth pole, and Mr. Sickle with a commanding edge. It's four lengths now on Mr. Suds. And Mr. Sickle is strong at the 16th pole and far too good for them. Mr. Dreamsickle and Giovanni Franco taking care of business by four lengths. Mr. Suds and Handsome Harry.
3: Final time for the six and a half furlongs. One seventeen and three. Certainly not earth shattering there. One, three, two, four. The order of finish in the second race at Santa Anita. Mr. Dream Sickle or Dream Cycle as it's spelled. Mr. Dreamsicle for Steve Miotti and Giovanni Franco uh, getting the second win of his career. He is now two wins, two seconds, and one third played finish from nine career starts. But even when he's not uh, winning or in the money, he's usually there or thereabouts. He's a horse who seems to fire a pretty good honest shot uh, every time he goes to the races, and he gets the job done at the $25,000 level today. So he's another one. He actually... Uh, also comes out of those uh, optional claiming starter allowance type races that Handsome Harry came out of, and the funny thing is that uh, they ran against each other on December second at Del Mar. Handsome Harry was six to one going into the race that day. Mister Dreamsicle was sixteen to one, but it was Mister Mr. Dreamsicle who finished second, only beaten a half a length. Handsome Harry finished fifth, beaten two. Um, and by the way, Mr. Dreamsicle had trouble in that race, and the public, uh, despite that, uh, ended up putting Handsome Harry as the slight favorite in the wagering. Mr. Dreamsicle, the second choice, he got bet down to six to five in the finals in the final uh, few minutes, uh, but he gets the job done and wins very impressively in race two at Santa Anita today. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Once again, uh, welcome to a brand new edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Uh, love these. Full Fridays, Uh, you know, it's listen. we we love these we love these shows every Friday. But, you know, if you only have two, maybe three tracks going and some of them are, you know, one race and done, um, it's a it's a it's it's a lot more fill and a lot less excitement than when you have. Just coast-to-coast, non-stop action like we have this afternoon. We just covered Santa Anita. They're about two minutes away from post-time for the ninth race at Gulfstream. And by the way, the ninth race at Gulfstream, which normally is the final race of the day on Fridays, is not the final race today. They've got a 10-race card, so we've got a couple of races left on the Gulfstream card. They're about 11 minutes away for the ninth and final at Aqueduct. Looks miserable there in Queens right now. Just dark and dank and uh, the kind of weather where um, people are probably ready to go home. Um, Fairgrounds uh, we're gonna have plenty of action from there. They didn't have the the best weather over the last few days. The main track is sloppy at Fairgrounds races are off the turf and we're back with Oaklawn Park boy it seems like forever since we've seen racing at Oaklawn and uh, even though they don't have the greatest weather this afternoon at Oaklawn at least they're running. Um, and we've said this many, many times. Oaklawn is in a little bit of a predicament compared to other racetracks when it comes to cold weather. Uh, for those of you who have never been, or maybe just don't know, Oaklawn Park uh, in Hot Springs is part of is located in a national uh, forest, and because of that, the chemicals that are needed to, when temperatures are freezing to make sure that the track doesn't freeze over cannot be applied to the racetrack. You know, same chemicals that if you were, you know, in New York at the tracks or in California or down in Florida, uh, not that they have to worry about it too much in Florida, but you know what I mean. Uh, The chemicals that other racetracks and jurisdictions would be allowed to use to help the prevention of the track freezing cannot be used at Oaklawn park so when you see the weather get cold there unless it's only you know a few hours if it's going to stay that way for a while like it did last week um they are sol if you know what i mean and not only does that mean that they can't race on the track it obviously means that the track is not safe to train on as well so uh there were several days of missed racing days and missed training days at Oaklawn Park, but thankfully, even though it's not the driest of days today at Oaklawn, it's a lot warmer than it was last week, and we don't have to worry about freezing uh, the freezing track. And they're back with uh, live racing at Oaklawn, and uh, we certainly uh, appreciate that. Uh, the fifth season stakes, which was supposed to be the feature last Saturday at Oaklawn, was pushed back to tomorrow. Bob Nastanovich and I are going to talk about that, as well as eleven other races as part of our AM wager weekend stakes preview tonight, beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And the races that were supposed to be tomorrow at Oaklawn have been moved back to next weekend. Those include the Grade Three Southwest, which is a points qualified. on the road to the Kentucky Derby, the King Cotton, the Martha Washington, also moved back from tomorrow until next weekend as well. So uh, uh, glad that Oaklawn is back in the fold, and we've got a full card of uh, racing that we're bringing you today on Betting with Bobby. If you'd like to call the show, feel free. Number to get in, 888-966-4776. That's 888-966-HRRN. You can always email me as well. I answer all my emails, not necessarily during the show, but I will get to them. Bobby at horseracingradio.net. That's B-O-B-B-Y. All right. Speaking of Gulfstream Park, uh, let's get over to the track. 78 degrees here in South Florida. Uh, Mostly cloudy skies, but the main track is fast. The turf is firm, and we're on the turf. For race number nine, it's a condition-claiming event. Uh, These are four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of three races lifetime or... Non-winners of a race since July twenty-sixth of the last year. They go a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. The claiming tag is twenty-five thousand dollars. Scratch numbers two and three. Still a big field of ten going to post in here. We've got a five to two shot, a three-to-one shot, a four-to-one shot, a five-to-one shot. Right now, the favorite is number five, hot blooded for Mike Maker and Luis Sayas. This one claimed away from Carlos uh, David. Out of his last start, claimed for fifty thousand dollars, a conditioned fifty claimer on the synthetic surface last time out, and he didn't really do much running that day, and now drops off the claim, um, which Maker has done well with these dropping off the claim types. It's not like he does it super regular, but he has done it several times in the past, and he wins at about a twenty-two percent clip with these drop off, the, you know, drops off the claim. Well, what? I'm wondering what way you look at those things. Does it depend on the trainer? Are you somebody who says, well, I mean, the horse fits for 40 and now is claimed and running for 25 or 32. Uh, he or she just makes super sense. Or do you look at it with kind of a stink eye like I do? It's like, okay, what is going on here? Are they are they just is, – is this looking for a quick hitter and they're just going to come back in a few weeks and between the purse and this and they're going to make a few thousand dollars and that's fine? Or – do they badly? Did they make a bad claim here? And they're trying to get anything they can out of this horse. I, I wouldn't worry about it as much with Maker because he's done it so often. Um, maybe it's just my glass half empty view of everything in life, which a lot of times is not a very good not a very good way to look at things. Um, it, it it makes me a little safer in some instances. Than maybe some others, but uh, you know, in these cases, it's kind of tough. You know, I'm I, I I'm I was brought up of the opinion, you know, a good claim is, is a claim that you know you want to run the horse, you know, you want to run the horse back at that level or or move him up one or two levels. Dropping one or two levels, or sometimes three levels, you just kind of scratch it and say, oh oh, what exactly is going on here? Well, we're going to find out shortly, Uh, just waiting for number 12, Lights of Broadway, to complete the line. And we'll send it to Pete Aiello for race nine at Gulfstream.
5: And they're off. From the rail, Chanso gets the first call in between horses. Bringer of Rain, hot-blooded, forwardly positioned today. Ridden for position is just in time for wine just in time for wine won't stop till he gets to the top and he's there now from bringer of rain in second hot blooded is now third tartufo is fourth light fury is between horses down at the inside it's chanso a gap of two more to cartano then it's lights of broadway ahead of a rose for raven and swing low at the inside on a flyer up front just in time for wine and jesus rios off the lead by five lengths the quarter time very quick 22 and four bringer of rain is second moving up to the outside hot blooded is now third Tartufo is there, fourth chance at the rail, fifth. Back to sixth is the Gray Light Fury. Then it's a length and a half back to the inside in Cartano. He's about eight or nine lengths off the speed now. Outside of him goes Lights of Broadway, then a Rose for Raven, and Swinglow is last. They went to half in a completely unreasonable 45-3. They're rolling here. Just in time for Wine, stringing them out by five ahead of Bringer of Rain, Second. Hot-Blooded is now third, Chanso fourth. Tartufo on the outside is there, fifth, moving out the rail, that's Cartano. In between horses, it's Light Fury, trying to run home from the back, lights of Broadway. A rose for Raven ahead of only one, and that's Swing Low. They reach the top of the stretch, just in time for Wine is on the ropes. Three quarters, 109 and one, they turn for home. Here comes Chanso trying to work at the inside, down the center and Hot-Blooded, late run from Tartufo, Cartano's in traffic. Eighth of a mile out, Hot-Blooded has the lead with one to fight off. Tartufo takes aim on the outside. Tartufo and Jose Ortiz up to win it going away. Hot-blooded was second. Up for third was Lights of Broadway. It's close for fourth. Either a Rose for Raven or Chancel in 138 and four.
3: Unofficially 8 512 in the ninth race at Gulfstream Park. The gray seven-year-old Tartufo, son of creative cause, getting the third win in his career. He's a horse who's only had 20 starts despite being a seven-year-old, but uh, back onto the turf today. That is his first ever win on turf. He had never hit the board in three prior tries running on grass, but trainer Carlo Vaccareza uh, obviously thought that uh, he did have some grass ability, and he certainly had a closing kick today under Jose Ortiz. Closes well down the center of the course at Gulfstream and gets the job done unofficially in the ninth race on the card. He blows by number five, hot-blooded in the late stages, who was clearly second best. Uh, but no match for Tartufo in the late stages. We'll get you those prices in a little bit. All right, uh, they're going. They're about two minutes away from post time at both Aqueduct and Fairgrounds. If they both run at the same time, we're going to go to Aqueduct simply because it's our only chance to cover Aqueduct today. It's 46 degrees, cloudy skies, and uh, a sloppy track at Aqueduct. Of course, this is the time of the year where they only run on the main track at Aqueduct. I still have a hard time. Uh, believing that there isn't the inner track. This should be the time of year they're running on the inner track at Aqueduct, but there is no more uh, inner track uh, at Aqueduct, at least not an inner dirt track, as it were. But uh, So a sloppy main track, and uh, one mile is the distance. It's a one-turn mile. These are New York-bred maiden four-year-olds and up uh, in for a $30,000 claiming tag. Scratch numbers 1 and 10, still a big field of 10 going to post, and it's number 8, Watch Hill. For Mike Maker, speak boy, he's everywhere. Plus, I think he has half the field tomorrow in the uh, Grade Three Connolly out at Sam Houston, a race he wins basically every year. Uh, but Mike Maker's got uh, the even money favorite at Aqueduct coming up. Watch Hill, who is taking a severe drop in class, he had been coming. he, he ran well against similar maiden thirty thousand dollar claimers going a mile at Aqueduct two starts back, where he showed speed. And uh, ended up second best while well clear of the rest of the field. Beaten about four lengths. And off that uh, good second place finish at the Maiden $30,000 level. They jumped him up against Maiden special weight competition last time out. And he didn't run a bad race. Uh, he wasn't able to get the lead, but he finished fourth. Beaten just over four lengths. Speed figure wise, basically just as good as he ran uh, the time before. So now dropping back in for the $30,000 tag. Uh, is where we find Watch Hill and the betting public seems to think that he's going to get the job done. I can tell you over at Fairgrounds, they're at the gate for race six. Uh, So they're at the gate at both Aqueduct and Fairgrounds. We're sticking with Aqueduct. Uh, We will get Plenty of coverage from fairgrounds later on during the show, but uh, since this is our only chance to cover Aqueduct today, we're going to stick with them. By the way, if you're watching or, or or if you're wanting to wager on the fairgrounds today, they're off the turf all day at the fairgrounds, and they've been having showers uh, all morning, and I think they're going to have more this evening. So uh, the sixth race, which is at the gate right now, has actually been moved from the turf to the dirt And the distance changed from seven and a half furlongs to a mile. But we're going to stick at Aqueduct for the ninth and final on their Thursday. I'm sorry, on their Friday card, four to five now. The price on number eight, Watch Hill, who's taking that severe drop in class. Second choice in the wagering is number 11, Money for Nothing. 0 for 10 coming into this race today, um, but ran third against Maiden $30,000 claimers last time outgoing seven furlongs. I'm not 100% sure that Money for Nothing is better going a mile or more than he is going short. He's run a mile or more several times in his career. Um, He just doesn't always have a whole lot of punch down the lane in the last furlong or two when he's going a mile, whether it's one, you know, or more, whether it's one turn or not. So uh, they are loading the final few runners into the gate at Aqueduct, number nine, looking to win. Romero Mirage delaying the start just a little bit, not acting up, just kind of uh, acting a little bit uh, stubborn behind the starting gate. Money for nothing goes in. Here's the five compromiser. Bruce Grossman trains Isaac Castillo aboard. Compromiser is 0 for 6, has never hit the board in his career, and he's not really excited about going into the starting gate right now. Uh, But as I say that, the assistant starters have uh, coaxed him in. Just waiting for a couple more, I believe. Number six, escape key. Lane Luzzi aboard for trainer Jim Ryerson. And toward the outside, the 12, Charming Jim with Trevor McCarthy aboard. We'll round out the field. Here is the ninth and final at Aqueduct. And as I say that, there are a few of them that are acting up. Um Don't know what's going on. The rider is off number five, Compromiser, climbing back aboard right now. He settles down. We're still waiting for the 12 charming Jim to get the job done. Uh, He goes in. Here's Chris Griffin.
6: And they're off. Waffler broke with speed. So did Escape Key from in between horses. Dolly's Bank is right there. Compromiser trying to join them. Tightly bunched on the front end. But Waffler's got a nose in front. At the rail, here comes Sinombre. Is trying to join those leaders now with that opening as they get set to move out of the chute and hook up with the back stretch. Waffler has the lead. It's Waffler in front and Dolly's Bank right towards the outside in second. At the rail, it's Sinombre. Watching the action there is Escape Key is in the four spot. Just reclaimed third. Following that one is looking to win. Money for nothing. Out in the center of the racetrack up the far outside is five wide. October Bliss is in that grouping as well. 23.54 for the opening quarter mile. The leader is still Waffler. Dolly's Bank continues to chase this leader towards the back end of the field. There's Compromiser. Just got passed by Watch Hill, who starts a move from the back and far back. It's Charming Jim, who's the trailer. Waffler will take him into the far turn. They went 47-3 for the half-mile time. Dolly's Bank continues to chase here from second. October Bliss found that seam in his three wide chasing the leaders now. Sinombre is right in behind those leaders as well. Is in the four spot, saving ground to the inside. Hard driven there is Escape Key, who's losing ground. Money for nothing from the back. Charming Jim. Trent McCarthy launching a big run. They're about 10 lengths off the lead. Watch Hill is trying to chase and compromise her. But at the top of the stretch, it's October Bliss. October Bliss has now taken command. Waffler continues to battle on towards the inside. October Bliss and Waffler. Watch Hill has gone down towards the inside, is trying to rally on. Late here is Charming Jim. October Bliss is trying to spread away from the field. Continue to chase his Waffler. It's now Charming Jim who's run up in the third but is running out of time. October Bliss. Waffler late. October Bliss will win the finale. October Bliss over Waffler, then Charming Jim and Watch Hill. Final running time, 1 minute 42 and 3.
3: Unofficially 7, 3, 12, and 8 in the ninth and final over at Aqueduct. The 7 October Bliss was 0 for 8 coming into this race today. Uh, Coming off three straight races on the turf, gets back over to the main track and gets the job done under Kendrick Carmouche for trainer Bruce Brown. October Bliss, I believe, off odds. Of 11 to 1. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we owe you some prices out at Santa Anita, so we'll get you the prices there. Second race on the card at Santa Anita was won by number one, Mr. Dreamsicle. He is a three-year-old Bay Gelding by Smokeham out of the Drosselmeyer Mare, Clara's Dream, owned by Lovinger, Fossilman, or Ryan, and trained by Steve Miotti, Giovanni Franco, the winning rider. Mr. Dreamsicle 460, 260, no show wagering. Second, three, Mr. Suds, 380 to place. Third was number two, Handsome Harry, the Exacta 1840. Trifecta paid 3120. Uh, we will get you prices at Gulfstream in just a little bit. We'll also get you the aqueduct prices in a few minutes as well. Uh, our next live race is actually going to come from Oaklawn Park. They're about two minutes away. Uh, from the seventh race out at Oaklawn. Before we get there, at the top of the show, we heard the stretch run of the 2002 edition of the Barbara Fritchie run by the uh, fantastically uh, fast filly at the time, Extra Heat. Uh, Extra Heat herself, um, well, there's a a lot to be said. She's one of the the best female sprinters uh, of our generation. She was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, In 2015, she was actually the Eclipse Award champion three-year-old filly in 2001. Funny thing is she ran in the Breeders' Cup three times in her career, and they were probably the worst three races of her career. When she wasn't running in the Breeders' Cup, she was either winning or finishing second. Uh, She won 26 of 35 starts. She was actually in the uh, first or second 31 of 35 career starts. Um, so if you would have taken those breeders cup tries out of there, uh, yeah, I mean, it even looks even more impressive. She won that Barbara Fritchie two years in a row, by the way. In fact, the 2003 edition of the Barbara Fritchie when she won was the final race in her career. And we talk about extra heat because, uh, there is a race named in her honor tomorrow out at Laurel. They've got the, uh, spectacular, the spectacular bid and the extra heat. So, uh, two stakes named after some really, really good horses, uh, during our lifetime, or during a lot of our lifetimes, and extra heat uh, was certainly a good one, uh, very, very good about 20 years ago. Okay, uh, back out to the track and Oaklawn Park, where it is 56 degrees and mostly cloudy skies. The track condition is muddy as we get close to the seventh race on the card. Six furlongs the distance. Four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of three races lifetime. They're in for a claiming tag of $10,000. Scratch numbers 6 and 14. Full field, basically a full field of 12 going to post in this race. And number three, must-be love for Robertino Diodoro and jockey Christian Torres. Currently two-to-one favorite in the wagering. Must-be love. Uh, this is another one of those dropping off a claim types. And Deodoro, like Mike Maker, has had plenty of success in doing this. Now, Deodoro, um, he boy, he just – he claims so many horses. I think – I think in the last – you know, since the beginning of 2023, I think he's claimed over 600 horses. I, I mean, when when he and his team – I don't know if it's just him – uh, but we'll just say that, you know, Team Diodoro. when Team Diodoro, you know, looks at the past performances and gets through a card and doesn't really I, – I, they, they must be, like, sick to their stomach if they if they get through a card and look and, look and there's nothing they want to claim. And I don't know if that ever happens. I mean, they may be putting claims in basically every day that they run wherever they're running. Um, listen – they're not afraid to claim off anyone, and it doesn't seem like anyone's afraid to claim off them. This is just uh, what he does, and he is back now after sitting out uh, via suspension the early part of the Oaklawn meet. And uh, Must Be Love is a horse that was running for Tom Amos or ran for Tom Amos most recently at the $20,000 level at Churchill Down, showed speed and faded to fourth against what looks like tougher competition there. Uh, now drops down to the condition $10,000 level and uh, certainly looks like a major player, especially if he can get out in front of this field. That's a big question mark. Mr. Sharpie's a horse who has a lot of natural speed. Uh, the nine war horse West, who's a big long shot, tends to be forwardly placed. Mo Choctaw Goes to the lead basically uh, every other time that he goes to the races. I would think he would be a major player, at least as far as vying for the early lead as well. So we'll see what kind of trip the favorite must be love gets in this race. If he clears this field, he is going to be a major player in the race. Now, he's not a horse that has to have the lead to still run okay. He's just not a horse who normally passes other horses. He might... You know, he's a horse at some some points who's sat second or third and kind of runs second or third all the way around the track. But he's not a ground gainer uh, for our good friend Mike Pataglia. Gaining ground. He's not a horse that's going to be gaining ground very often. So we'll see if Must Be Love can get out in front of this field. And if not, if it sets it up for a, a little bit of a price, uh, coming from off the pace because they're, uh, aside from must-be-loved, there looks like a lot of quote-unquote cheap speed in this race, not horses that uh, are in the race just to basically bother the other speed. Not that they're entered for that, but you know what I mean. From a handicapping view, it looks like that's what they may be doing. So the last few runners are be loaded in for now for the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Here's the seven Rack-a-Tap-Tap for Michael Hewitt and Joseph Bealmare, And... Um, toward the outside number 13 cartel queen who drew in off the also eligibles list with francisco Arietta aboard cartel queen dropping from the allowance and uh, higher level claiming ranks down into this condition claimer to huge drop in class really for cartel queen who uh i can't even really tell what her running style is she is a mayor facing the boys i can tell you that and uh, she's drawn well on the outside they're all in Race 7, Oaklawn.
2: And
3: uh, Leroff. Uneventful
2: break for all the runners. Mr. Sharpie up on the pace today as a share of the lead with Mochak. They're together, and Roman Giant has to slam off the brakes. Is back in the third position, Cartel Queen joins him, so does Must Be Love down the back stretch. Stellar Tap, the Gray Horse, is next. He's running five lengths off the pace with, invariably, their four lengths clear of Hollow Point, Warhorse West, and a three-deep Galactic Empire. Chelsea Dagger is second to last, and racket Tap Tap has no early speed, is well out of it as they round the far turn. Mr. Sharpie, the pacemaker, with three furlongs left to go and scampers away to a length and a half lead must be love following him takes the second position in the third spot stellar trap trying to get rolling with invariably cartel queens getting into it as Mo Choctaw's dropping back and is being eased up at the top of the lane invariably coming up to challenge Mr. Sharpie must be loves in it cartel queen stellar tap between horses fighting on gamely here's stellar tap the gray moving up strongly invariably trying to move with him as must be love weakens third, 16th to go, Stellar Tap diving to the lead, pulling away decisively, and Stellar Tap wins it in the mud, going away by two and a half. Invariably, was second photo for third, Cartel
3: Queen, and must be love. Looked like unofficially 8-1-3 and 13 in the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Stellar Tap Son of Tappet for trainer Steve Asmussen and his son, jockey Keith Asmussen, getting the win, going away. This is a horse who, uh, unlike the others who was dro- who were dropping in class, moving up in class. Claimed for 7500 out of a race at Louisiana Downs last time out. Moved up to the condition $10,000 level today and gets the job done. That was the first time in four career starts that Stellar Tappet even hit the board on an off racetrack he loved the muddy racetrack at Oaklawn today and he scores at odds of nine to two we will get you those prices in just a little bit over at santa anita they are approaching the starting gate for the third race on their card and the third race on the card at santa anita distance of six furlongs on the fast main track these are four-year-olds and up non-winners of three races lifetime and they run for a claiming price of $25,000. Field of eight, no scratches or rider changes in here, and no heavy favorite in the race as well. Number three, Elector, is the mild favorite uh, at 3-1, to one, and just as I say that, he ticked up to 7-2. to two. So Elector now the second choice for trainer John, uh, John Sadler and jockey Kaz Kimura, coming off uh, poor efforts against allowance optional claimers and then a poor effort at the $25,000 level, so now dropping into a condition $20,000 level. This is a horse, Elector, who actually ran in the grade 2 triple bend last year and was 7-2 to two in that race against horses like American Theorem and Get Her Number and somehow has worked his way all the way down to a conditioned $20,000 level, and he's not even favored in the race right now. So he is really, really gone the wrong direction. The favorite at this point is number 8, Tangled Up in Gray, who has been running against starter allowance competition his last few outs. The Last time he ran against condition-claiming event runners was at Los Alamitos early part of December in that against non-winners of two lifers, he won by four. Now, that is Los Alamitos, which is not nearly as good generally as what you see at Santa Anita and Del Mar. Um, And it is non-twos as opposed to what he's running in here, which is non-winners of three. But, uh... Big drop in class for Tangled Up and Gray, and a big change in the morning line. He was 15-1 to 1 on John White's morning line, and John White is pretty sharp. He usually gets these uh, pretty close to where they're supposed to be, uh, but obviously the betters are seeing something that uh, John White did not see, and they have bet Tangled Up and Gray all the way down to 5-2. to two. He is the actual favorite now on the board. Second choice in the wage ring, number seven, ferociously. Uh, ferociously is a horse that uh, sounds fast he's he's all right he uh he was narrowly beaten against uh, non-winners of three condition claimers last time out that was actually the twelve five level this is the twenty thousand dollar level I don't really think there's a big deal big difference between that at Southern California it's not like they've got you know seven or eight different levels of condition claiming non-winners of three lifers out there. There's probably only two or three levels. So ferociously showed speed, just got nailed in the final final head bob, if you will, in a three-way driving finish last time out and we'll see if he's able to get out in front of this field today looking at the rest of the field uh, there is some speed in there but I don't think anyone's any faster than ferociously he may be able to get out in front of this field and just keep on going or certainly take them a long long way so uh, they are arriving at the starting gate for this third race at San Anita after this race I know we owe you some prices at Gulfstream we owe you prices at Aqueduct We owe you prices at Oaklawn, and I can tell you they're in the paddock. The riders are getting up for the 10th and final race on the card at Gulfstream Park, so we will have uh, plenty of time after the Santa Anita race to get over to Gulfstream for the finale on their Friday card. Of course, tomorrow is a serious card of racing at Gulfstream Park. I'm going to say it's the second biggest day of the meet. Purse-wise, it's the biggest day um, with the $3 million Pegasus what uh, whatever it's fully called, Pegasus World Cup Invitational, uh, the million-dollar Pegasus World Cup turf, and the half-million-dollar Pegasus World Cup Philly and Merit turf. Uh, Florida Derby Day, I still think, is the biggest day uh, on the card. They're both these multi-stakes days where they have, you know, tomorrow there's seven graded stakes and all on the card. And uh, it's a day where, you know, if you're at, Going to Gulfstream, you're going to get charged a whole lot of money to be there, and there's going to be a whole lot of people there. But they are going to put on a good show, and it's supposed to be a great, a great weather tomorrow afternoon here in South Florida. So looking forward uh, to that card tomorrow. Uh, deep diving into a lot of those races. I actually really, really like a horse in one of the stake races tomorrow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it out as my best bet on the am wager weekend stakes preview a little bit later don't want to get don't want to talk about it too much now and and, and ruin it but I, I like a race tomorrow a lot uh out at gulfstream park out at santa Anita, they are uh loading in for this third race on the card once again conditioned twenty thousand dollar claimers sprinting six furlongs on the main track here's number eight tangled up in gray to complete the line tiago Pereira aboard frank miramati on the mic
4: For Plate Chicken, KP Quest is in the firing line early. On the outside of them is Tangled Up in Gray, battling with Ferociously. So those two go on with it. It's Ferociously and Tangled Up in Gray, on even terms to the half-mile pole. Elector and Plate Chicken just behind them, and they're followed by KP Quest, now fifth, three off the lead. Elavado Buck Owens second to last, and Too Much Info trails into the far turn. And it is ferociously battling with Play Chicken, tangled up in gray just outside of them. Elector fourth with three to make up. Elevato, Buck Owens, the gray, has made some headway to be within four of them while wide. Then it's another three back to KP Quest, and too much info is the trailer. It's ferociously the leader. Buck Owens continues to rally on the outside, tangled up in gray. Elevato trying to get through a very narrow opening inside. Play Chicken and Elector, but it's Buck Owens who storms to the front at the 16th pole and buck owens pulls away late buck owens and hector berrios will win by three lengths elector second tangled up in gray in front of ferociously in elevado
3: Unofficially six three eight seven in the third race at San Anita. Number six, Buck Owens for Martin Valenzuela Jr. and Hector Barrios getting the job done, covering the six furlongs in one eleven flat. Owe you some prices from around the country, starting over at Gulfstream Park, where the ninth race on the card was won by number eight, Tartufo, seven year old Grayer roan Horse by Creative Cause out of the Prized Mayor Sterling Bridge, owned by J and J Stable and Nicholas Vacareza. Carlo Vacareza, the trainer, Jose Ortiz aboard. Tartufo paid eighteen dollars seven twenty and five twenty. Second five hot blooded three sixty three dollars. Third twelve lights of Broadway six twenty to show. Fourth number eleven a rose for Raven. The Exacta paid fifty-two dollars. The trifecta paid one hundred eighteen dollars fifty-five cents. The dollar superfecta three thousand forty-seven dollars and ninety cents. Uh, final race on the card today at Aqueduct was their ninth race, and the winner was number seven, October Bliss. He's a four-year-old chestnut gelding by Destin out of the Indian Charlie mare, or Destine out of the Indian Charlie mare, Little Brave, owned by Martin Harrigan, trained by Bruce Brown, ridden to victory by Kendrick Carmouche. October Bliss paid 24.80, 12.60, and 7.70. Second, three Waffler. 880, 490, 3rd, 12, Charming Gym, 870 to show. Fourth, number eight, Watch Hill. The exacta, 171.50. The trifecta, $1,128. Dollar Super paid $7,856. We will get you prices out at Oaklawn Park in just a little bit. But we need to get out to Gulfstream Park now as they are approaching the gate for the 10th and final race on the Friday card. Six furlongs the distance on the main track main track is fast. This is an allowance event for Florida-bred three-year-olds that are non-winners of one other than or non-winners of two races. Lifetime scratch numbers one, three, and five. Field of seven going to post. Couple of them vying for favoritism. Number two, Roar Ready. Number eight, Sound of the Beast. Roar Ready ruben sierra and jockey leonel reyes coming off a five-length maiden score in his most recent start he's run well in all three of his career starts number eight sound of the beast is tried the inaugural stakes at tampa bay downs in his most recent race and he was only four to one in that race and uh, he just didn't have a whole lot of punch down the lane in fact his last three races have all been against uh, stakes competition he does get lasix for the first time today uh so does roar ready so you know this is that screwball thing uh with HeIsa and with these tracks where somehow they've figured out that you can't run on lasix if you're a two-year-old but you can run on lasix if you're a three-year-old unless you're a really good three-year-old and you're in a stake race, then you can't run on Lasix anymore. And as you know, it, it, it more of the this game makes no sense, some of these things, and I don't know why nobody asks these questions. Is Lasix okay or is it not okay? How is it okay for some three-year-olds but not all three-year-olds? And not good for two-year-olds but okay for four-year-olds? It, it's, it is what it is. So every, every horse in this race, for the most part, looks like a first-time Lasix user, with the exception of number seven, Mighty Mekong, who has already run once as a three-year-old in his career. But they are uh, approaching the starting gate for the finale at Gulfstream. As I say this, it looks like they're gathering behind the gate, but they're not going to the gate. This is the... uh, this is the uh, kind of like i i don't know if they're waiting for a horse to catch up or they're doing the old caliente shuffle uh which is something when when agla caliente Racecourse in tijuana used to have thoroughbred racing um and of course there was no uh account wagering or anything like that you know you were betting on if you were at the track or at one of the otbs throughout mexico um you know and they'd have one pick six and like one or two pick threes or something, they would drag and drag and drag. And basically, uh, and they would make no, it it wouldn't even look like they were trying to hide it. It wasn't like they were keeping the horses three eighths of a mile away from the gate and just making a slow walk, you know, and, and getting there four or five minutes behind. They'd get to the gate on time and then just kind of walk in circles behind the gate for what seemed like forever, what seemed like forever. And uh, the, our friends at Gulfstream started doing this a few years ago and they're not the only ones who do it. They've just perfected it. They drag better than anyone as far as that goes. There are other few there are other tracks out there who uh, who don't care what the post times are. I will say this. So what Gulfstream does, and it's very interesting, is they will still have the post whatever post times they've listed, you know on the overnights and in the entries, they will those will remain the post times they just won't actually get to the gate and run at those times but then instead of having let's say once the race goes official 22 minutes to the next race they'll only have 16 minutes to the next race but they don't really have 16 minutes to the next race that's just shows it makes it looks like you know that they're running at the right time but it's uh uh it's it's not the way it is so uh they are arriving slowly to the starting gate at Gulfstream. You know what? While they're doing this, um, I'm a, I'm not one to uh to comply with uh, their shenanigans here. Let's see what else we got. Can we get you some prices while this or that? Nope, they've actually gotten to the gate. So uh, I guess that's good. They've gotten to the gate over at Gulfstream Park, and this is the finale on the card at Gulfstream. Six to five currently the price on number two, Roar Ready. Second choice remains number eight, Sound of the Beast, for Rohan Crichton and uh, Eclipse Award-winning jockey, Irad Ortiz Jr. Uh, Everyone else would be a double-digit payoff if they get the job. At least, I should say, there's even a 60-to-1 shot in the field. But uh, everyone else would be a nice payoff if they got the job done and the final ones are going in for this finale at Gulfstream Park, which means that they are satisfied that They've gotten every dollar that they think they are going to get. Just waiting on number 10, Lightning Clouds, or Lighting Clouds, I should say, who is that aforementioned 60 to 1 outsider. Lighting Clouds uh, coming off back-to-back tries on the synthetic track, and now getting back onto the main track at Gulfstream Park. Goes in toward the outside gate. Pete I. Yellow has the rest of the load and the call.
4: And r-
5: runners away. Off last, Roar Ready. Quick start for Louis the Sun King, who heads off for the early advantage, moving to him as Lighting Clouds. Away in third is Holiday Pay. Sound of the Beast is in the red. Roar Ready's trying to find room toward the rail. Just ahead of him, Pure Class. The early trailer is Mighty Mekong. They make their way to the half-mile point. Louis the Sun King and Jose Ortiz on top, half a mile out. They lead by a length and a half over Holiday Pay second, Lightning Cloud's third. Sound of the Beast is fourth and starting to improve. Down inside, Pure Class, a gap of two more to roar ready. He's a long way behind, and the trailer is Mighty Mekong. They round the four-turn at the 5 16th Louis the Sun King trying to go down the road in here. Pure Class toward the inside. Sound of the Beast is angled for racing room. He's in tight. Trying to run home from the back is Mighty Mekong. Down at the rail is Roar Ready. They pass the half in 45 and 45-2 and and they're at the top of the stretch. With the advantage, Louis the Sun King taking aim now as Pure Class. Looking for a rail run as Roar Ready. Over the top in Holiday Pay. Eighth of a mile to go. With the advantage now, Pure Class by two. From between horses, Roar Ready trying to get into second. But it's Pure Class in front, and Pure Class will get the job done. I think Roar Ready did rally into second, but it's close for third between Sound of the Beast and Pure Class with final time for the race, a minute 11 flat.
3: Pretty close for the Miners, no doubt about the winner number six, Pure Class for Dave Fox and Paco Lopez, winner of the finale at Gulfstream Park. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you paid at Oaklawn, Santa Anita, and Gulfstream. We've got live action from Fairgrounds next up, as well as Oaklawn Park, betting with Bobby on HRRN.
1: Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. Yikes. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of pre-diabetes. Visit doIHAPrediabetes.org today. That's doihabrediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
7: Did you know half of all cats in the United States don't see a vet on a regular basis? Hi, I'm Pat Dennings and I love cats. Like really, really love them. Seriously. That's why I'm here to ask you to take your cat to the vet each and every year. I'm working with Royal Canin and Orphan Kitten Club in their program, Mighty Cat, the first grant program in the world to protect and care for newborn kittens, for the Take Your Cat to the Vet initiative, which encourages cat owners across the country to schedule annual vet visits. Since it's tricky to decode our cat's behavior, it is super important to collaborate with your veterinarian to uncover any potential illnesses and learn the signs that something could be wrong. As pet owners, it is our responsibility to make sure cats of all ages have a chance to live a full and happy life by providing the care they need and deserve. Visit OrphanKittenClub.org forward slash Mighty Cat to learn more.
5: Hi, I'm Smokey
8: Bear, and I made an assistant to help you prevent wildfires. Dude, I've got this. I've been camping since I was five years old. But I am a camping influencer. You know what, I'll bet you five bucks. Assistant Smokey, what is the best way to put out a campfire? To put out a campfire, drown with water, stir, drown again, then make sure the fire is out cold by feeling with the back of your hand. Wait, really? I'll take the five bucks.
5: Learn more at
3: SmokeyBear.com.
9: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
3: This is Bobby Newman. Live racing, great info, and lots of fun is what you'll get every Thursday on the First Bet Racing Show. Bob Nastanovich and I bring you the live action from the biggest tracks around North America, speak with some of the major players in the game, and discuss racing's biggest topics. It's the First Bet Racing Show every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, Listen live each week on Sirius 162, XM 207, online channel 999, or streaming live at horseracingradio.net.
0: You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
4: Three of them across the track with a quarter of a mile to go. Pavel has five to make up. McKenzie, Battle of Midway, running a huge race on the outside. And Giant Expectations is hanging tough there an eighth of a mile from home and it's McKenzie in Battle of Midway Battle of Midway or McKenzie McKenzie just in front Battle of Midway pressing hard on the outside McKenzie or Battle of Midway it could go either way Battle of Midway Battle of Midway beats McKenzie in the San Pasqual. Giant Expectations third Pavel was fourth
3: Welcome back Frank Miramati on the call 2019 edition of the San Pasquale won by Battle of Midway this year's San Pasqual is tomorrow at san anita right now though we head over to the fairgrounds they're loading into the gate for the seventh race on the card main track is sloppy scattered showers all afternoon in new orleans six furlongs the distance of race seven it's an allowance optional claiming event for louisiana bred fillies and mares non-winners of four races lifetime or in for a claiming tag of thirty-five thousand dollars. here's john dooley on the mic
10: and they're off, and again, Spirit of Beauty broke slow, drifts back to last. Fast start for Lake Marie, who comes charging out for Marcelino Pettitosa Jr. Nearest the inside is Michelle's Little Star in the orange cap, who's right there for Relu Gutierrez. It's Lake Marie, who edges in front of Michelle's Little Star. Bell out now on the move for Olaf Hernandez, has the black cap. C.J. McMahon and Free Drop Annie running in fourth, pulling off this leader, Lake Marie, who leads the dash past the half mile, and with Corey Lannery, after yet again breaking slow, Spirit of Beauty trails the Philly Mayors sprint the quarter 22.09 seconds. They roll to three for longs from home, and here's Bell out to the attack. It's Bell out up to Lake Marie as they vie for it coming toward the quarter pole. On the inside, Lake Marie. Bell out on the outside, and they take this for home. While five clear for Michelle's little star pulled to the outside. Free drop Maddie and Spirit of Beauty looks to rally with the rail as they come past the quarter pole. Half mile in 45.66 seconds. It's Bellout. out. Lake Marie, she's back to second. Bellout out uh, edges toward that rail for Olaf Fernandez. Lake Marie and Spirit of Beauty continues to charge hard on the outside. They come past the 16th. It's Bellout out. Chased all the way home by Spirit of Beauty, and here's she comes, bell out that spirited beauty at a time. Bell prevails over spirited beauty. Michelle's little star third, then Lake Marie and free drop Maddie in one eleven point ninety one.
3: Unofficially, four-five-two-six in the seventh race at Fairgrounds. The four bell out, who was very tired down the lane. Wire came just in the nick of time, and the daughter of Flat Out gets the job done, and that is her sixth career win. She goes off as the heavy favorite at even money. Uh, owe you some prices from over at Oaklawn, so we'll get you those right now. And at Oaklawn, the seventh race on the card was won by number eight Stellar Tap. Five-year-old gray roan gelding by Tappet out of the Medallia Doro mare uh, Jaw Stella, owned by Steve Asmussen, who's also the trainer. His son Keith Asmussen in the Iron Stellar Tap 114620 and four dollars. Second one invariably $6. Third Third three must be love 340 to show. Fourth was number 13 Cartel Queen. The Exacta paid $70.80, the Trifecta $80.50, the Dollar Superfecta paid $1,222. We will get you prices at both Gulfstream and Santa Anita in just a few minutes. But first, we need to head out to Oaklawn Park, and they've got a live race uh, coming up just within the next few minutes, and that's the eighth race on their card eighth race at Oaklawn, six furlongs the distance track condition remains muddy maiden special weight event here for the three-year-old fillies and we've got a big field scratch numbers one and 11 still 10 of them going to post in this race number six spiritual lady who's already had six cracks at getting that maiden win is even money right now on the board for trainer joe sharp and jockey christian torres boy this is uh you know for a maiden special weight event and for an even money shot this certainly doesn't look like the greatest even money shot we we've, we've ever seen now i will say this the positives for number 6 spiritual lady is that most of the other ones who have run don't look like world beaters but spiritual lady certainly doesn't look like that either she's come, here the the negative for spiritual lady is one she's coming off her best race which to me usually means that they they regress a little bit not necessarily you know take giant steps backward but uh, i i don't i subscribe to the theory especially with two and three year old fillies that when they clearly come off their best effort they almost always don't improve again in their next start so if, if she runs that same race she's going to be very tough she ran second last time out and was only beaten three quarters of a length and was way clear of everybody else but it was against maiden claimers at Oaklawn. And now she's back up against maiden special weight competition. So I'm a little bit confused as to why somebody would want even money on this filly. She certainly looks like one of the ones, but she doesn't look like an even money shot to me. Second choice in the wagering is number four, Happy and Smiling. John Ortiz and Ricardo Santana Jr. Two career starts, both at Oaklawn, both against maiden special weight competition, and she was kind of a non menacing fifth and sixth, respectively, in those races. But speed figure wise, she's kind of right there with everyone else. Number two, Wise Miss ran second in her lone start. It was at Delaware Park. Normally, I, at least I would think that most of the time, the racing at Oaklawn is tougher competition-wise than what you see at Delaware Park. Not all the time, but most of the time. In general, I, w- I would make this a tougher circuit than what you see at Delaware. And uh, But she's the third choice in the wagering. And the fourth trace is number three, the big Calhouna, who uh, didn't do anything in her career debut. She, uh, she kind of hesitated at the start, rushed up, and then faded into oblivion, um, and now is uh, somehow back to eight to one in the wagering so somebody thinks they that maybe she's going to run better today so it it doesn't look like the greatest maiden special weight field of Phillies that have ever graced the starting gate at Oaklawn Park but uh, as I've said many times in the past uh, a former trainer based in South Florida Manny Tortora said to me one day coming out of the paddock Bobby somebody's gonna win it they always do and he's right. And sometimes on, on rare occasions, it's more than one that end up winning the race. Uh, we're going to find out shortly as these maiden three-year-old fillies are uh, loading into the starting gate uh, at Oaklawn Park for this eighth race on the card. Double loading, as they always do. The favorite spiritual lady uh, going in. She is uh, in post five, but program number six with the scratch of the rail runner when I look at you, who, by the way, was five to two on the morning line. So that's a big scratch. Here's Matt Dinnerman.
2: Out of it early. Spiritual Lady Bent Halo and also Happy and Smiling. Those three are across the track. Bent Halo with a narrow lead. Happy and Smiling holds the inside spot, easing off as Bent Halo kicks on to a length and a half lead. Spiritual Lady tracks from second. Happy and Smiling inside of her. A space of two lengths to Wise Miss with no pay, no hay. And another two lengths to the Big Calhuna who broke last is rushed up all the way to be level six in the turn. With She's Not a Joke, there's seven clear of Safe Crackers. Catholic Sue and Intrusion as they round the far turn. Bent Halo has five sixteenths to go, leads by two. Happy and Smiling cutting into the leading margin. Spiritual Lady being asked to go now as they hit the quarter pole. Wise Miss in 4-3 behind. The others have got to pick it up as they come down the lane. Bent Halo after setting a fast pace gets leg weary is passed by Spiritual Lady and Happy and Smiling. Spiritual Lady with the head lead. Happy and Smiling is right there battling two. Here's Wise Miss and Eduardo Gallardo on the scene. Wise Miss, Spiritual Lady, Happy and Smiling. Those three across the track. Wise Miss, Grandstand side, Happy and Smiling inside. Bad Lake 2, Happy and Smiling on the inside. Turned away, Wise Miss to win it with Spiritual Lady 3rd and Catholic Sue flying late for
3: 4th. Holy moly, they were uh, really staggering in the last eighth of a mile or so. The final time for the six furlongs was just under 114-1. That was after five furlongs in one minute and three-fifths. So despite going over a minute to cover five furlongs, they came home in 13 and a half seconds. But it was the second choice in the wagering. Number four, Happy and Smiling, who gutted out the win for the team of John Ortiz and jockey ricardo santana jr four two six eight the unofficial top four the first three were kind of blanketed right on the line but uh it was clearly four two six eight as they got to the line number two wise miss looked like she had every chance to get on by but she couldn't quite get to even terms with happy and smiling who held on and gets the job done and gets the winner's share of a nice purse seventy two thousand dollars offered in this race we will get you and, and by the way you're saying, okay, wait a minute, I thought Oaklawn Park had maiden races that were, like, closer to $90,000, They do, normally, for maiden special weight races. This was one of those conditioned maiden special weight races. We've seen them at a few racetracks around the country. It's a maiden special weight race, and then in parentheses, for three-year-old fillies which sold for $80,000 or less in the last time they sold at auction. Which basically means it's a, you know, this is a way that these runners don't have to face, you know, the quarter million dollar, half million dollar, sometimes million dollar sales purchases that, you know, maybe Steve Asmussen or Brad Cox or some of the, you know, other big trainers who run out at Oaklawn a lot uh, would have. But they also don't want to put their runners up for a tag. They don't want to simply offer them up for 50. So instead of saying, you know, maiden 100,000, you know, maiden $100,000 claiming, it's a maiden special weight, but not for the ones that cost a whole lot of money. Kind of an A minus if you will, B plus maiden special weight event. All right. Uh, we will get you those prices in just a little bit. Uh, over at Let's get you some prices at both Gulfstream and at Santa Anita. Gulfstream Park 10th and final race on the card. Won by number six Pure Class, a three-year-old dark bay or brown colt by the big beast out of the Master Command mare. I'm classy and sassy. Owned by Alex and Joanne Lieblong and trained by Dave Fox. Paco Lopez, the winning rider, on number six Pure Class. Pure Class paid thirty-six forty-nine dollars and five twenty. Second, two Roar Ready, two eighty-two forty. Third, nine Holiday Pay, three eighty to show. Fourth, number eight Sound of the Beast. The Xacta 113.20, the Tri 89.20, the Dollar Super $291.90. And if you're somebody who's interested in playing that uh, Rainbow Pick Six on the big day tomorrow out at Gulfstream, there's a carryover of $720,000 uh, into that pool. Over at Santa Anita, we owe you some prices from their third race. And the third race was won by number six, Buck Owens. Four-year-old Gray or Roan Gelding by Grayson out of the old topper Merrick Rose, owned by Moharo Racing. Or Carlos and trained by Martin Valenzuela Jr. Hector Berrios, the winning rider on Buck Owens, who paid 1060, 460, and 320. Second, three, Elector, $7, 420. Third, eight, Tangled Up in Gray, $3.20 to show. Fourth, number seven, ferociously. Exact to 8760, the Try 383 80 Super, $531.10. We will get you the prices out at Fairgrounds in just a little bit. We need to get out to Santa Anita, though, because they are actually getting close to post time for the fourth race on the car. This is a maiden special weight event for cowbreds that are four or five years old. They are going to go one mile on the turf. Scratch number three, ghostly act, field of six going to post in this race. Number four, Antibus is the favorite on the board for at eight to five for Carla Gaines and Juan Hernandez. Carla Gaines looking for her first win of the season at Santa Anita. Not quite in the, not quite bagling as noticeably as Chad Brown has been at Gulfstream. But I think the last time I looked, Chad Brown was somewhere like over twenty-five. To start, uh, to start the meet at Gulfstream, uh, I would expect both Chad Brown and Carla Gaines to get out of out of the funks that their barns are in right now. Carla Gaines' overall probably wins about 12, 13 percent of her races, and Chad Brown, of course, uh, wins over 20 percent of the time, most of the time. But it's not working out very well for either of those barns right now. And Tibis, uh has run on the turf four times already to start his career and he's run decently in all four of those races last time out he battled for the lead going a mile and got a little bit tired down the lane ended up finishing fourth beaten some three lengths now interesting note about that is horses who were second and third ahead of him that day maxville and ghostly act are both in this race again well i should say ghostly act was in the race he was the one that was scratched maxville was almost 50 to one last time out when he finished in front of Antebus, and uh, he's still not getting a lot of respect. He's seven to one right now on the board, the co-longest shot in the field. So the the obvious question is, well, if you like Antebus at eight to five, why wouldn't you like Maxville a little bit at seven to one? Obviously, you know the public likes something about them. Uh, you know, one a lot more than the other one last time out, um, but. Are are we thinking that Antibas is just capable of a lot better than what he showed? Do we think Maxville will regress badly uh, off that second-place finish? Speed figure-wise, he kind of looks like he's right there uh, with Antibas. So uh, I'm a little bit confused. In fact, so Maxville finished ahead of Antibas last time out by about a neck. They ran against each other the time before, and they were only separated by a half a length. Seems like strange odds right here. You know what it is. I, I think people in general, betters in general, once they see horses that start to look like professional maidens, and I don't know if Maxville's at that point yet. He is 0 for 9 coming into this race, but compared to 0 for 4 Antibus, uh maxville certainly you know he's he's had a lot of chances coming into this race but listen uh, none of these look like world beaters in here it speed figure wise it actually looks like a very very evenly matched bunch number one burt's prospect also coming out of that same race where maxville was second and antivis was fourth he finished fifth in the race he was only about a length behind them and he's three to one. So big differentiation in odds, despite the fact that on the racetrack, they've proven that there's not a whole lot between uh, some of the runners in this fourth race at Santa Anita. So they have arrived at the starting gate for this race. Once again, this race is one mile on the May on the turf and the turf is firm. Beautiful day in Southern California and uh getting ready for what hopefully will be a nice weekend of weather. They had rain last week, and hopefully it's a little bit better uh, this weekend going forward. Beautiful day, though, in Arcadia right now, and a nice view of the San Gabriel Mountains in the background there when you're looking from the grandstand out at Santa Anita. Last few loading in, we'll send it out to Santa Anita for race number four.
4: And they're off. More try is going out to the front. Be punctual on the outside. Antib, a close up third. And Burt's prospect down on the inside is tugging pretty hard, as is On Antib, tough to handle in the opening furlongs. A break of three back to Dazzle the Command. And Maxville is at the back of the field. It is more try, sprinting and not taking the turn at all. More try. Has bolted, and that leaves Burt's Prospect on the lead. Burt's Prospect, B-Punctual, as more try has now pulled up. On teeb will settle just off the pace today. He's well spotted. Two lengths off Burt's Prospect onto the backstretch. Four more dazzle the command, and Maxville. Down the backstretch, and it's Burt's Prospect leading by a half-length. B-Punctual second on teab three off them in third moving into the far turn burt's prospect maintains a narrow edge be punctual pressing in second on teab is just two and a half off them in third then it's another two Back to Maxville and Dazzle the command. B Punctual has taken the lead past the quarter pole. Ontib will have to go wide into the stretch. At the rail, Burt's Prospect and Maxville has surfaced from the back of the field, splitting rivals. They're in the final furlong. B Punctual has now wandered. And now it's Burt's Prospect just in front. Antib in between horses with Maxville. This is one you could never draw up on paper. A wild finish. Here's the line. Photo finish. It's too close to call. The command way off the rail and on team with Maxville in a chart caller's nightmare. Yeah, there was so much
3: going on in that race. Horses bolting the first turn, horses bolting down the stretch, and when they came down to the line, there were three of them right there in the line, and I have no idea which one of them got the job done. Was it the favorite, number four, on Teeb? Was it number five, Maxville? Was it number seven, Dazzle, the command, who was way out on the outside and was the one of the longest shots in the field? They're showing the slow-motion replay right now. These three coming to the line, and no idea. Absolutely no idea. V- inches either way between numbers four five and seven we'll get you those prices in a little bit speaking of prices we owe you prices out at the fairgrounds for the seventh race on their card number four bell out uh was the winner she's a five-year-old bay mare by flat out out of the my friend max mare my friend bell owned by pendleton larson jr trained by courtney danderidge jr and ridden by olaf hernandez the only Fell out, returned 4 280, and 2 2nd five, Spirited Beauty, $3.220. Third, two, Michelle's Little Star, $2.60 to show. Fourth, number six, Lake Marie. The exact at $12.20. The trifecta, $7.85. The dollar super paid $44.70. We'll get you prices from uh, out at Oaklawn Park and Santa Anita once the Santa Anita prices become official. Uh, as we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the 2019 edition of the San Pasquale. The Grade Two San Pasquale is the featured event tomorrow out at San Anita and one of 12 races that Bob Nostanovich and I will cover during the upcoming Amwager Weekend Stakes preview that starts about 50 minutes from now. Uh, San Pasquale has had some really good horses over the years. It's a race that began in the mid-30s. And really, some of the who's who in racing, especially out in California, have won the race, especially in the last 50, 60 years, Uh, olden times, native diver, ACAC, no double, some of the ones... Uh, that I know won the race. Flying Paster was a great one The Chris McCarron rode. Uh, Precisionist, one of my favorite horses of all time, won the race uh, in 86. Criminal type and farm away were uh, two of four back-to-back-to-back-to-back winners for trainer Wayne Lucas in the late 80s, early 90s. Alphabet Soup, who of course uh, was a Breeders' Cup hero one year, got the job done. Silver Charm in 1999 won the race. And uh, more recently, horses like California Chrome and Accelerate got the job done. And New Grange is back to defend his title in this year's edition of the, uh, of the San Pasquale that goes tomorrow. As far as Battle of Midway goes, uh, well, he's known for a few things. The bad is that, uh, unfortunately, he was injured very badly in a workout uh, following the San Pasquale victory in 2019 and had to be put down. Uh, He was a horse trained by Jerry Hollendorfer, and it was right there when all the stuff was going on at Santa Anita and horses were getting hurt. It seemed like left and right. And uh, Jerry Hollendorfer, you know, in the eyes of the Santa Anita people was the devil and all these kind of things. But Battle of Midway was a very, very good horse uh, who won uh, eight of his 16 career starts. He made over a million and a half dollars. Uh, in his career, but what you may not have remembered, and by the way, he ran third in the Kentucky Derby when he was a three-year-old. What you may not have remembered about Battle of Midway was that he was retired after his three-year-old season and, to be a stallion. And as it turned out, and he got like 60 mares in full, um, but overall, uh, he had trouble um, meaning he was, I don't know if it wasn't, uh, if, if he, he was missing a gene or something that made it basically where it was tough to get mares in full. And it was, uh, it was not becoming a fruitful thing, keeping him as a stallion. So he was brought back into training, um, after failing as a stallion or not failing, but not producing as much as they ought And he, he was brought back for, the, the second half of his four-year-old campaign and into his five-year-old campaign and he was very very good when he came back so it was a fantastic training job by Jerry Hollendorfer at getting him to come back and be uh, as good basically as when he left and maybe even better speed figure wise and let's not forget he was also a, a winner of the breeders cup dirt mile um, in what they thought was the last start of his career when he back in 2017 and before he Uh, came back after the unsuccessful stallion career so battle of midway a san pasqual winner this year's san pasqual is tomorrow at san anita all right we're going to take a break uh when we come back we are going to get out to the track they're about five minutes away from the eighth race at Oaklawn. we owe you prices at both fairgrounds and san anita as well this is betting with bobby on hrrn
0: retirement can be scary but only if you're not prepared
8: Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I'd love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice? Or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together. As a father, helping my child is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking, reading, and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning.
3: When I grow up, I want to be a teacher because they know a lot of awesome stuff. I'll stand in front of the class and make sure everyone knows what
1: I know.
0: If your child is sick over and over again, it could be PI, a serious defect of the immune system. Early testing gives children a chance to dream.
1: And when I'm a teacher, my favorite subject would be recess.
0: Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. Visit Info4PI.org.
2: Hi, this is Kurt Becker. Join me each week on the Equine Forum as I take you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. This week, I look back at the racing career of Swale. Listen live on the Equine Forum every Saturday morning on Sirius 162 or XM 207 or visit our website at horseracingradio.net to access the archives and enjoy past editions. It's a stroll through racing history with me, Kurt Becker, presented by Keeneland, only here on HRRN.
0: You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
2: Here comes Precisionist move on the outside for McCarran now. Precisionist goes to the lead, approaching the top of the stretch. Harada's now racing in second. Skywalker is three lengths farther back in third. On the outside, Super Diamond is fourth. Then Inamorado, Sabona, and fast account. They move to the furlong marker, and it's Precisionist with a clear lead. Precisionist by three lengths. Super Diamond, an excellent effort on the outside, now into second. Skywalker races in third. Harada's dropped back to fourth. They come to the wire. And precisionist is life and death to hold off Super Diamond on the outside. Precisionist with the lead by a half length. Super Diamond the second. Precisionist in front in the Californian, and with Chris McCarron aboard, Precisionist wins it by a half length. Super Diamond an outstanding effort, second, and Skywalker finished third.
3: Ah, those were the times. Fred Hooper's Precisionist getting the job done in the 1986 edition of the Californian. There is a race named in Fred Hooper's honor tomorrow out at Gulfstream Park. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon. Four to six P.M. Eastern Time as we lead into another edition of the Am Wager Weekend Stakes Preview, which goes from six to seven P.M. Eastern time every Friday. Uh oh yeah, prices from both Oaklawn and Santa Anita, and we'll get you those in just a few minutes. But we need to get out to fairgrounds because they're getting close to post time for the eighth race on the card. This race was supposed to be about five and a half furlongs on the turf. It is now exactly five and a half furlongs on the dirt, and the dirt is labeled sloppy uh at fairgrounds uh this is an allowance optional claiming event for three-year-old fillies non-winners of one other than or in for a claiming tag of one hundred thousand dollars scratch numbers three and seven field of eight going to post in this spot couple of two to one shots right now on the board number eight twirl around number 10 regal rumor twirl around Uh, broke her maiden very impressively in an off-the-turf race on the main track at Churchill two starts back. And then she tried the Letelier Memorial down at Fairgrounds last time out, and it proved to be a little bit too tough for her. She also didn't quite, quite run as well as she did against the maiden's two starts back, so maybe regressed off that big effort. Uh, Now uh, getting back in against allowance foes, which is probably a better spot for this daughter of Twirling Candy. And we'll see if uh, she finds her way back to the winner's circle. Number 10, Regal Rumor, on the other hand, uh, she broke her maiden at Ellis Park three starts back on a muddy racetrack and then tried the grade three Pocahontas against vV's Dream and and other ones like that. And uh, she just didn't run a step in that race and really was facing much, much tougher competition than she had at any other point in her career. She tried a similar allowance optional claimer at fairgrounds last time out the difference being that was on the main track and the race was on going a mile and she ran well she actually closed from about seven seven and a half lengths out of it to finish third beating only three and a half lengths. so shortening up to five and a half furlongs kind of looks like uh number 10 regal rumor is going to try to close in this field and uh it looks on fir- at first glance like there are several speed type runners which could aid her chances of rolling in from off the pace. So uh, different running styles for the two favorites here. Twirl around uh, figures to be forwardly placed, not necessarily on the lead, but certainly right there in the mix, whereas Regal Rumor is hoping they run really, really fast early on. And uh, if she handles the uh, muddy track like she did in the past, Uh, She is going to have a lot of targets down the lane and probably a lot of momentum. Uh, She looks very dangerous under Corey Lannery this afternoon. So these uh, three-year-old fillies are uh, loading into the starting gate for the eighth race over at Fairgrounds. By the way, I can tell you we're about four or five minutes away from the ninth race over at Oaklawn Park. So we'll get you the prices for the eighth after this Fairgrounds race, and then we'll get you live coverage of race nine at Oaklawn. Meantime, here's the eighth race at Fairgrounds and John Dooley.
10: The Rothman sprinting fast start for Myas Halo from the rail for Brian Hernandez Jr. Just gets the jump on Cabo Cowgirl. With twirl around in the black cap and right there answer the call, True Princess looks to make a bid in the red blinkers and cap. Then to the inside is Panic, who's looking to move through. Panic making progress past the half mile. In the meantime, Wriggle Rumors on the far outside and Brunch Punch has dropped back to last. They round the far turn. It's Mayas Halo takes them through a quarter in 22.30 seconds on this off track. And twirl around is right with Mayas Halo with a bid. True Princess making three-path progress as they line up for the quarter pole. And on the outside is Regal Rumor. Nearest the inside is Panic, and True Princess is circling them. These three-year-old fillies come for home. It's twirled around. Panic makes a bid. Maya Halo showed that speed, but has dropped back. With on the outside, True Princess. And right there, Regal Rumor between fillies. On the far outside, Bunch Punch from the backfield. It's Panicus who's come through powerfully for Jareth Lubberry. It's Panic, the daughter of Hardspun. And Panic is pouring it on. Panic. Panic on top by four. Second was Twirl Around as Brunch Punch came running at the end. Then Wriggle rumor, along with True Princess and Maya's Halo.
3: Final time for the 5.5 Furlongs 105 flat. Unofficial order of finish four eight six ten. 10 Number 4 Penick remaining undefeated. Now two wins from two career starts as she cruises home in the 8th off the turf at the fairgrounds owe oh, you some prices for the eighth race over at Oaklawn park we're number four happy and smiling got the hard-fought win a three-year-old bay filly by run happy out of the silent name mayor silent sonnet owned by uh, millardar selden revocable trust and trained by john ortiz ricardo santana jr in the irons happy and smiling 6 83 second two wise miss 5 $3. dollars third six spiritual lady 220 to show Fourth, number eight, Catholic Sioux, exact at twenty nine forty The trifecta, $14.45, and the dollar superfecta paid $314.90. We owe you prices at Santa Anita. We'll get you those in a few minutes. Need to get out to Oaklawn first, though, because they are getting close to post time. For the penultimate race on their Friday card, race number nine, six furlongs the distance. It's an allowance event for three-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races lifetime. Scratch numbers one, six, seven, and ten. Eight of them going to post in this race. Number five, Bourbon Bash is the six-to-five favorite in the wagering. I have to ask this question because uh, do you notice that whoever gets written up in the racing form uh, gets more play than maybe you would have expected. Not to say Bourbon Bash can't win this race. He definitely can win this race. Uh, he's been a model of consistency hitting the board in four in his, each of his last four starts and five of his last six starts, albeit none of them wins. But he's run very well against this level of competition. He hasn't run well on a wet track in the past, but he's run very well uh, at Oaklawn, he's run well against this competition, and he's just a model of consistency. But he's the horse, you know. They, they always write about something going on at these racetracks, even and there's no it's all it's most of the time a stake, uh, but otherwise it'll be whatever is perceived to be the featured race of the afternoon. And today, this allowance race at Oaklawn Park, I guess, is their featured race of the day. And Bourbon Bash, I know, was a headline uh, about you know in some some story in the racing form. Um 6 to 5 seems kind of short. Say I mean for a whor- for a horse it's 1 for 19 lifetime. I mean he he looks like a 9 to 5 2 to 1 shot in this race. Like I said he he absolutely looks like one of the ones that should be a major player in this race. I'm I'm not sure that he really looks better than number 2 Happy as a Choice um who is lightly raced and is making his second start off a very very long layoff. He was only about three lengths behind bourbon bash last time out um there are other ones in here number 12 holmstad uh terrible when we last saw him at Oaklawn, uh but uh big trainer change and has shown if you can throw out his last race his previous two or three starts speed figure wise are every bit as good as what bourbon bash has done you get a better price on Halmstad today. He was 3-2 to two against this level of competition last time out, and with that bad showing, he is now somewhere around 3-1 to one on the board. That's a horse who's very, very dangerous if you can find an excuse for his last race. We'll find out shortly. Here's the ninth at Oaklawn. And uh, Leroff.
2: B-minor out alertly. Distorted Pro has speed, two. Distorted Pro grabs the lead. Halmstad moving up. He claims the front end now, and Halmstad strides clear. About three-quarters of a length, making a length... On, uh, on the inside, B minor is moving up. Distorted pro's there as well. And now three runners are across the track once again. So it's Helmstadt on the outside, distorted pro in the middle. And B minor, who is up top momentarily, easing off the duo to run in the third position. Happy as a choice next with the favorite bourbon bash. And Wicked again, who's parked four wide on the course. B minor loses a couple of spots into that turn down at the rail. And a gap of six to media mogul at the rear. A fleet sky has been outrun. They round the forward turn and approach. The top of the lane. Helmstadt on the outside with a narrow edge here. Distorted Pro second as they come off the turn. Bourbon Bash right behind the leaders with Wicket again. B-Minor staying on the rail attempts to re-rally and then comes Happy as a Choice weaving through between horses. Furlong to go. Bourbon Bash Happy as a Choice moving after Distorted Pro and now it is Happy as a Choice who has the lead. Bourbon Bash Media Mogul is coming strong down the center of the track but it's Happy as a Choice in front. Happy as a Choice. Choice gives Johnny Ortiz a double. Second home, Media Mogul, Bourbon Bash. Third home at seven to five, and Distorted Pro is fourth.
3: I'm Matt Dinnerman rubbing it in the nose in the faces of the people who took seven to five on Bourbon Bash. Uh, number two, Happy is a choice. Closing well down the center of the track, made the lead, then held off. The late charge of number nine media mogul who was 26 to one in one of the longest shots in the field happy is a choice who ends up drifting up to five to one at post time getting the job done for the team of john ortiz and ramon vasquez 295 for the unofficial order of finish in the ninth race over at oakland park over at Santa anita there was a three-way driving finish in their fourth race and when the photo sign came down, the winner was number seven, Dazzle the Command, a five-year-old Dark Bayer Brown gelding by Forest Command out of the Blame Mare Can't Be Dazzled. Owned by Four Quarters Corporation and trained by Brendan Galvin. Mike Smith, the winning rider, he's off the duck for this meet at Santa Anita. He was over 23 coming into this race. Dazzle the Command paid $20 even, $9.40 and $4. Second five, Maxville, 8 dollars $3.40. Third, four, and teeb, two sixty to show. Fourth, number one, Burt's prospect. The exacta paid one hundred four dollars. The trifecta three hundred eighty-eight dollars sixty cents, and the dollar superfecta seven hundred twelve dollars uh, even. Uh, before I get, uh, you know what? Speaking of Mike's, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta mention this right now. So they had the Eclipse Awards last night. Uh, here in South Florida, they were held at the Breakers, a nice hotel up in the Palm Beach area, and they're not not really a whole lot of surprises. Uh, Cody's Wish uh, got not only the champion older male, but he was Horse of the Year. Uh, Idiomatic was the older dirt female. Mo- most of these made sense. Uh, Bill Mott, who trained uh, three Eclipse Award winners, was an Eclipse Award winner himself as far as champion trainer. He's the trainer of uh, trainer of Just FYI who uh, won an Eclipse Award for, uh, t- for two-year-old Philly, uh, trainer of good of elite power as well. Um, just, you know, he, he's had a, a magical year. Um, not, not a whole lot that I would disagree with when it goes in. Godolphin, the champion odor and breeder, but there are a few things here that make me think that not everyone who gets an Eclipse Award vote should be allowed to vote for the Eclipse Award. Um, somebody for champion jockey voted for Mike Smith. And I mentioned this to a friend of mine. He says, is this 2010? And that was kind of my feeling. Listen, I, Mike Smith is obviously one of the best riders uh, of my lifetime and a very, very nice guy. Not really sure that his 2023 season de- deserved any votes to be the Eclipse award-winning jockey. Um, he didn't win, obviously, but he was—he did get a vote, which kind of, I, I would like to question the person who voted for Mike Smith to be the champion jockey. Uh, another one that was a little bit strange, as far as the champion trainer goes, I mentioned that Bill Mott uh, got the award as far as the champion trainer, and Bill Mott with 132 votes and Brad Cox second was 60. Steve Asmus in third with eight. Chad Brown fourth with seven. Here's where it gets fun. Jenna Antonucci had four votes to be the champion trainer. Todd Pletcher had three votes to be the champion trainer. So let me repeat that. Jenna Antonucci, who trained Archangelo, winner of the Belmont and the Travers, had more votes to be the champion trainer as far as the Eclipse Award goes than Todd Pletcher. I want to read you their two stats for 2023. Uh, Jenna Antonucci ran 113 horses last year. She won 16 races. That is a 14% win clip and uh, earnings of uh, just over $2.1 million. Certainly nothing wrong with that. Todd Pletcher ran 980 horses. He won 186 races. Earnings of over $27 million and a win percentage of of 19 percent. I'm confused. I I I would really like to know. I mean, I, is this the is this this the this was good for the sport? She's the first uh, female trainer to win a Triple Crown race and win the Travers. Uh, listen, I understand that. Does that mean that she should get votes to be the Eclipse Award-winning trainer, and she should have more votes than? By the way, Todd Pletcher, uh, going into today, had 14 wins in the first three and a half weeks of 2024. I know that means nothing as far as this goes. Uh, but basically what I'm saying is he's almost had as many wins in three and a half weeks this year than she did all of last year. Jenna Antonucci did a phenomenal training job with Archangelo. She was fantastic for the sport. Now, this is how fantastic she was. She came on the air with us the morning that it was decided that Archangelo was going to have to scratch from the Breeders' Cup Classic. Easily, we sh- easily could have canceled. We would, would never have blamed her. Came on, answered every question, could not have been nicer and more candid. Not really sure she should have got more votes to be the Eclipse Award-winning trainer than Todd Pletcher did. Okay, um, let's see where we are. Over at Santa Anita, they're about five minutes away from post time. You know what? I want to get this out. So, Adams, we came out of our last break. uh, We heard the stretch run of the 1986 running of the Californian won by a, a really, really good horse in Precisionist. And the reason that we heard that is because Precisionist was owned and bred by Fred Hooper. And Fred Hooper's got a stake race named in his honor, and rightly so, tomorrow at Gulfstream Park. Fred Hooper lived till he was 102 years old. He passed away, I think, in the year 2000. Um, What you may not remember about Fred Hooper is uh, not only did he own and breed Precisionist, he had a really good filly named Susan's Girl. And by the way, he with the first ever thoroughbred he had, he won the Kentucky Derby in 1945. Uh, with a horse named Hoop Jr., uh, Fred Hooper won the Eclipse Awards, Speaking of Eclipse Awards, uh, for outstanding breeder in both 1975 and 1982, he was really one of those one of those guys. When you say he was good for racing, he was a friend of racing. He was everything uh, that was good about racing, and uh, we remember his silks vividly. You know, the blue with the with the red and the white trim. Uh, that ran, you know, attracts all around the country for many, many years. Uh, Precisionist, ju- I, I know Hoop Jr. won the Kentucky Derby. Precisionist is probably the best horse, um, with with all due respect to Susan's Girl, that Fred Hooper ever had. Uh, Precisionist himself was inducted into the Hall of Fame about 20 years ago. He was a champion sprinter in 1985, the year he won. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Sprint. He was not just a sprinter, though. He was a horse that was good enough to compete in and be very good in mile-and-an-eighth and mile and even mile-and-a-quarter races. Overall, he won 20 races from 46 career starts, uh, a lot of them for Ross Fenstermaker, and uh, made over $3.4 million in his career. And as I said, uh, he was owned and bred by Fred Hooper, who uh, is no longer with us, but uh, thankfully, uh, Gulfstream has continued the tradition of uh, keeping the race named in his honor. You know, races get renamed uh, for ridiculous reasons. And, and sometimes they get renamed for good reasons. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, the Lady Secret, which was held out at Santa Anita for many, many years, named after a phenomenal filly that Gene Klein used to own, was renamed the Zenyatta. No qualms about that. I, You know, I wish they could have a, a Lady's Secret stakes and a Zenyatta. They don't. But they, they named one great race, renamed it for another really, really great filly uh, who happened to be very good in the Lady's Secret, among other things. Uh, I'm happy that they have never renamed the Fred Hooper. You know, Fred, Mr. Hooper has been gone for over 20 years now. Um, the younger generation probably doesn't know that name very well. Uh, I'm happy that uh, the folks that uh, the powers that be that control these things at Gulfstream Park, at least to now, have not uh, have not made the decision to rename the Fred Hooper. And by the way, the Fred Hooper tomorrow is a fantastic race. A fantastic race. A lot of different ways you can go. I happen to really, really like a horse in the Hooper tomorrow, and I'll, I'll talk more about it during the M-Wager Weekend Stakes preview coming up about 25 minutes from now. Uh, coming up about a minute from now is the fifth race. At San Anita. Six furlongs the distance. These are four year olds and up that are non winners of three races lifetime, and they're in for a claiming tag of $20,000. Scratch number eight, Soul of Midnight, uh, would have taken money, was only four to one on the morning line, so we're down to a field of seven, and uh, the betting public are really saying it's two of the seven, and that's it. Uh, and those two are number two, uh, Preencheap or Princip, P R I N C I P. I'm going to say Preencheap. Ah, we'll see how Frank Miramati calls it. I know there's a Principe Carlo that has run out there, but I don't know if this is Princip or Principe. And number four, duty first. Uh, Princip or Principe uh, came out of a an allowance option or claimer last time out. Didn't run very well at all. Previous try against condition $40,000 claimers ran away and hid down the lane to win by almost three or over three. Certainly a repeat of that race would make him very, very tough. Duty first, on the other hand. Coming off uh, a condition, $16,000 claimer at Los Alamitos where he crushed a field for trainer Jeff Mullins. He was claimed away by Steve Knapp, who's having a fantastic start to his Santa Anita meet. And uh, duty first uh, looking to take just that minor step up in class. Basically the same claiming level, but going from non-winners of two lifers to non-winners of three lifers. And we'll see if duty first can handle the slightly tougher competition today uh looking around the country we're at 10 minutes away from the ninth at fairgrounds so we should be able to get you that race we may or may not be able to get you the 10th race at oakland depends if they run on time it's kind of right up against it for us but we'll definitely be able to get you over to the fairgrounds for their next race Santa anitas first though and they are arriving at the starting gate for the fifth race on the card once again six furlongs the distance here And these are conditioned $20,000 claimers that are all uh, looking for the third win of their careers. Yep, I'm looking at it. Nobody is racing out of condition. They are all two-time winners uh, as they approach the starting gate today. Uh, Even money right now on number two, Princip or Cheap. Maybe I'm just completely wrong. Maybe it's something other uh, than those two names. We're going to find out shortly. Frank Miramati usually does his homework on these things and find you know if if they're something that he doesn't know about uh he he does the research he, he wants to get them right so i am going to trust that uh, frank gets this one correct uh because certainly princip or princip figures to be some sort of a, a player a factor in the outcome of this race uh even money right now on the two seven to five on the four duty first everyone else would play uh, pay double digits if they get the job done in this fifth race at Santa Anita number 7 Sir Flatter the last one to go in and here's the call
4: and they're off divine rascal flies out of the gate opens up a length in the first couple of jumps principe comes through and in between it's duty first duty first puts the head in front divine rascal principe those three across the track with trusty rusty fourth Curly Issa taken off the rail, four off the lead. Two back to 10th Street, Dawn and Sir Flatter. Past the half-mile pole, it's Prince Seep at the rail, a half-length. Duty first, keeping up in second. A length and a half, trusty, rusty, divine, rascal, joined three wide by Curly Issa. 10th Street, Dawn behind that group, five off the lead. And Sir Flatter hard-ridden at the back, approaching the quarter pole. And it's Prince Seep in front, still over Duty first. Just behind them, Trusty Rusty is in third. Divine Rascal is next. The top of the stretch for Prince Seep. Shakes loose by two over Dirty first and second. Then comes Trusty Rusty in third. Followed by 10th Street, Don angling off the rail. But in the meantime, Prince Seep waves goodbye. And it's Prince Seep making short work of this group, scoring by four. Trusty Rusty, Duty First, and 10th Street Dawn in front of Divine Rascal. Unofficially, two,
3: three, four, five in the fifth race out at Santa Anita. Number two, Prince Seep, getting the job done very easily for the team of Mark Glatt and Jockey Juan Hernandez. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. All right, we are going to take our final break. When we come back... We will get you paid across the country. We'll head back out to Fairgrounds for the ninth race on their card. This is Betting with Bobby on HRRN.
9: The YMCA is just a starting line for the true self blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity and unity. A safe space in my community. Living with sincerity. Giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong. Seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at YMCA.org
6: for a better us.
1: My battle buddies and I attended the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium. We had never been there before, and two of us had never seen a hockey game. Man, we had the time of our lives. It was great therapy. Vet we can't thank you enough. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a
6: play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.VetTix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. Huddies.
9: Parenting is hard. Technology can make it harder. The Family Media Plan developed by the American Academy of Pediatrics helps make it easier. Go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan to create the media plan that's right for your family. Whether you make a full plan or just choose a few parts that matter the most to your family, healthychildren.org forward slash media plan is an easy-to-use tool that will help your family set media priorities and create healthy digital habits in line with your family's values. You'll also get practical tips to help make the plan work. And you can come back to revise your plan as often as you need to, like at the beginning of each school year or during summer and holiday breaks. Raising kids in the age of screens is easier when you have a plan. Go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan and make your plan today.
0: Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the horse racing radio nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN. That's 888-966-4776. And discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
2: National treasure with a quarter to go at Pimlico has a neck in front from Blazing Sevens. Mage is called on to run, and red, route one down to the inside, National Treasure, Blazing Sevens trying to get by their uneven terms, and head-to-head with a furlong left to go, Mage has to quicken up from third, Blazing Sevens, National Treasure, National Treasure fighting back on the inside, Blazing Sevens on the outside, Blazing Sevens, National Treasure, oh, what a preakness, it's National Treasure who gets the lead late! Fights blazing sevens all the way down the stretch. Mage was third, Red Rod won. And then it was chase to chaos. Perform and coffee with Chris.
3: Dave Rodman on the call last year's Preakness Stakes won by National Treasure. He's the morning line favorite tomorrow in the grade one Pegasus World Cup. Welcome back to betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Oh, you some prices from out at fairgrounds where the eighth race on the card was won impressively by number four, Pennick. Three-year-old Bay Philly by Hard spun out of the Vindication Mare, by golly, Miss Molly. Owned by Al and Bill Yo-Welling, and trained by Gary Shearer, Jareth Loveberry, the winning rider. And number four, Pennick, paid $10.65 and $3.00. Second eight, Twirl Around, $3.40, dollars six, Brunch Punch, three sixty dollars to show. Fourth number 10, Regal Rumor, exact to $45.80, Trifecta $50.60. The Dollar Super, $276.50. We will get you prices at both Oaklawn and San Anita in just a few minutes. Over at Fairgrounds, they are about two minutes away from post time for the ninth race on the card. Before we get to that, folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current with select trade-in and select 5G Unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G Unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings in the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Fairgrounds' ninth race on the card, Louisiana-bred maiden three-year-old fillies running a flat mile on the main track, which is two turns at Fairgrounds. And the claiming price here is $10,000. We've got a field of nine gathering in behind the gate. And uh, they are almost at the gate and beginning their circling right now as this is the finale on the card. So last chance, as it were, to get the job done uh, if you're playing the Fairgrounds today. Two to one. Currently the favorite number one, Kana Grease, for Justin Janson and Jareth Loveberry. Boy, Jareth Loveberry seems like he wins races every day that we're on the air here on HRRN. And, of course, he won the eighth race on the card. And the betters think he's got a big chance to get both halves of this final daily double. Kana Grease. Uh, coming off a third- and fourth-place finish to start her career, respectively. Both going six furlongs, both on fast tracks. Both races, she didn't really show any speed, kind of was mid-pack and trying to make up some ground late, and now stretching out to a mile. Well, she's by race day out of a Senor Swinger mare. Uh, I don't think it screams that she should be better long than short, uh, but the way she's been kind of running evenly around the racetrack in sprint races wouldn't surprise me if she handles the extra distance at all. And it, wouldn't, it also wouldn't surprise me if they employ different tactics uh, and – or employ different tactics, I should say – and um, and show some speed with kind of grease. Uh, I, I don't think that she's going to want to try to come from five, six lengths out of it and, and really looking at the rest of this field – there are no full bore front runners in the field. Now, there are several other fillies who are stretching out around two turns for the first time, and they may have the same ideas that I have as far as what kind of Grease might do. And maybe somebody else will be uh, really hell bent on the lead and be sending from the get go. But if I, well, first of all, if I was riding kind of Grease, she would have no chance. But Uh, assuming I was actually a professional rider and I was in in Jareth Loveberry's shoes, uh, I would be thinking, let's be forwardly placed, if not on the front end from that inside post. Plus you don't have to deal with all the stuff being kicked up behind you with the uh, sloppy racetrack that they're dealing with at fairgrounds today. So the maiden three-year-old fillies are uh, loading into the starting gate for the finale out at the fairgrounds. I can tell you that they are allegedly five minutes away from post time at Oaklawn, which if they go with their normal thing, means they're closer to six, seven, eight minutes to post. So I don't know if we'll get you that race. Uh, We are going to get you the full race gate to wire, though, from this finale out at the fairgrounds. And one last time, John Dooley has the call.
10: Saturday post time, 3 p.m. Central. And the ginked on College Day Eve. They're in the gate. And they're off. And there's Gigi's Love who races away. Sweet guitar in the green cap. Can't agree the gray with the rail. And there's Fist City with an early bid as they make their way toward the first turn with Relu Gutierrez. Fist City. Fifth sitting has come away in front of a sweeping up Aurora Australis with Sweet Guitar in the green cap in third, and they have six furlongs to go. Giant twoed fourth in between horses. After a sharp start, Gigi's Love is posted wide in fifth. Canna settled sixth with the rail there for Jared Ludbury while racing three clear. From Chapelat. then comes Eve Eve, and Costa Lady trails the mile here in the Friday finale. The first two of eight for long splash through in 24.40 seconds. Making this run toward the half-mile pole, it's Fist City to reel in. Fist City continues to shoulder the load from Aurora Australis. Then nearest the inside a sweet guitar, and Giant toot is outside her. Can't agree is saving ground running in fifth. With on the outside, Gigi's Love in sixth. Evie is seventh. Then Costa lady up one spot. That relegates wide. Chapelet to last. The half mile in 49.45 seconds. Fifth City continues to lead. But now with inside three for Longs to go. Fist City in front, coming with a bid now. Here comes Giant Tude, who's alongside of Fist City, and Canagree starts her bid. Aurora Australis chased the pace in his drop back, cost the lady on the front outside as these maiden three year old fillies straighten for the short stretches. Giant Tude outside of Fist City. Three quarters, one minute 16.05 seconds, and here comes Canagree, who's charging hard now for Jareth Lubbery, and on past it's Canagree who's opening up now by two, by three, Canagree. Fist City toward the inside looks to battle on, and then comes Giant Tude. Canagree has won it from Fist City. Giant Tude third, and Evie finish fourth.
3: Unofficially, 1 in the finale at Fairgrounds. Ninth race goes to number one. Gree doesn't show speed like I was thinking she might do, but gets a good trip, uh, saving ground, had plenty left down the stretch, and gives Jareth Loveberry yet another winner on today's card. Final time for the mile was 144 flat. Owe you some prices at both Santa Anita and Oaklawn. We'll start at Santa Anita, where the, or in fact, we'll start over at Oaklawn Park, rather because uh, they went first, and the ninth race on the card was won by number two, Happy is a Choice, a four-year-old Bay Gelding by Run Happy out of the Affleet Alex mare Fast Alexia, owned by Hooties Racing Limited, WSS Racing and others, trained by John Ortiz, Ramon Vazquez, the winning rider on number two, Happy is a Choice, who paid $12.60, $7.360. Second nine, Media Mogul, $16.40, $6.40, third five, Bourbon Bash, two forty dollars to show, and fourth number four distorted pro the exacta paid 283 dollars the trifecta 179.85 dollars 85 the dollar super two thousand two hundred thirty eight dollars and twenty cents over at san anita owe you some prices for their fifth race and the fifth race over at san anita was won by number two princip and princip very impressive drew away from the field down the stretch Princip, a five-year-old bay gelding by violence out of the street Sense Mayor My Royalty, owned by Muir Hut Stables and trained by Mark Glatt, Juan Hernandez aboard Princip, who paid $4, dollars three twenty dollars and two dollars 2nd three, trusty Rusty, $7.80, dollars four, duty 1st two forty dollars to show. Fourth, number five, 10th Street, Don. The exact 2680 the trifecta $69.20, and the dollar super paid $100, and 20 cents. We are not going to get to bring you the 10th at Oaklawn. As I mentioned, uh, they, uh, well, first of all, it's the finale of the day. So they're doing the little circling maneuver behind the track, which means that it's going to be a couple minutes before they get to the gate. And unfortunately, we will not be able to bring you that race, which is a nice allowance optional claiming event. Uh, for non-winners of two other than or horses in for a claiming tag of $62,500. So unfortunately, we can't get you that finale at Oaklawn Park. We will get you the prices at Fairgrounds. In fact, I think they might be in already for the race that was just run. Ninth and final at Fairgrounds, one by the one, Canagree, a three-year-old gray or filly by race day out of the Senor Swinger mare Laguna Vixen, owned by Byron Vegas, trained by Justine Janson. Jareth Loveberry, the winning rider, and Connor kind of paid 720, 380, and 360. Second six, Fist City. No joke. 640, 460. Third four, Giant Tude, 720 to show. Fourth number three, Eve Eve. Exact of 5320. The trifecta 110.40. Dollar Super, $935.90. As we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of last year's Preakness Stakes, won by the Bob Baffert trainee. National Treasure. Of course, Bob Baffert is allowed to run at tracks uh, owned by Stronic or First or whatever you want to call them right now. And uh, he saddles National Treasure tomorrow uh, in the Pegasus. Well, I shouldn't say he saddles it. He sends out National Treasure. Usually does not come to Gulfstream, but it is a $3 million race. We'll see if he comes out for this race. Otherwise, he'll send one of his assistants, like Jimmy Barnes or somebody like that out. Um, interesting note. So the Pegasus itself, I hate to say it, is one of the biggest failures of the last 10 years in American racing. Um, not really all their fault. A um, lot of it has to do with the fact that you have a $20 million person the Saudi Cup and a $12 million person in the Dubai World Cup. When the, when the Pegasus started in 2017. It was a $12 million race. It ended up, it was a $16 million race in 2018, then dropped all the way down to $9 million in 2019, and it's been $3 million ever since. Listen, $3 million, big purse. It's bigger than, you know, every Breeders' Cup race other than the Classic and the Turf. It's bigger than basically almost every race we have here in America you know that's not a triple crown race right now, um, but overall it's because of where it is in the in the the year and between the Breeders' Cup and between the Saudi Cup and the Dubai World Cup, and it's so it's become so much easier and more commonplace for American-based runners to go to the Middle East and compete in those races for big money and do well that I don't think that the Pegasus is getting the greatest horses in the world anymore. National Treasure. Listen, it's a great, they've got a horse that won a triple crown race in the field. But the truth of the matter is, he's eligible for a non-winners-of-three life. He's a two-time winner. Did you forget about this? National Treasure has won two races in his career. He broke his maiden and he won the Preakness. He hasn't done anything in the five races since winning the Preakness. He does have a big chance tomorrow. And uh, obviously, if he runs well and maybe even wins, he's going to get a whole lot of money uh for his connections but that's where i'm telling you it's a very very good betting race tomorrow uh in the pegasus um i just don't think i don't think the horses who are there are really superstars if if you want to call them that way still it's going to be fun and bob and i are going to talk about it as part of our am wager weekend stakes preview that comes up in about four minutes in addition don't forget Huge edition of the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires tomorrow. Guests include Kelly Dorman, the follower of Cody, Cody Dorman, Shug McGahee, Brian Nadeau, uh, Nick Tamaro, Brett Calhoun joining the show, James Scully with the triple play, Kurt Becker, Dale Romans, Tim Wilkin, all going to join our good friend Mike Penna tomorrow morning. That wraps it up today on Betting with Bobby for our producer, Lee Delapina. I'm Bobby Newman. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Stick around, the Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview is coming up next.